Welcome to a new episode of Getting to the Truth in His Heart on MTR Podcast, and I'm Rob Lee. I, I, I said that like I didn't know who I was for a moment. Uh, uh, my guests today are Al Adrian uh, Wetzel and Christian Cromwell from the Two Strike Theater Collective. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. So excited. Hi. <laughs> so um, thanks for coming on. Um, this is definitely a treat. Um, I read a bit about the collective and what's going on there, but I'll allow either of you or both, however you want to take it, um, to describe the mission of the, 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 the company and your roles within the company. Sure. I guess I'll, I'll start. Um, again, my name is Adrian Wetzel. Uh, I am the uh, executive director uh, of the collective, uh, also kind of the makeshift communications manager, kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and our official mission uh, for Two Strikes is uh, to create art that is unapologetically Black femme centric, to upset the white patriarchal status quo, and to provide creative outlets for Black women in the Baltimore community to express themselves through art. So bottom line is we're black women. We want to help black women. We want to make some awesome art. And that's kind of, that's kind of the whole purpose of us doing a two strikes theater collective. Hey, I'm Kristen Cromwell. Um, I am the director of play development. One of the biggest things I've noticed being a theater artist in the Baltimore community is there is not a lot of support for black actors and directors and playwrights. So not only a play development, I kind of started thinking in terms of education in theater. So that's also like a really big part. Like, yes, we are black women. And also, have you ever felt like you wanted to be a theater artist, but you don't have the like the backing of the support? We got you. So that's really like where we also um, come in. So big, big goals. Well, that's that's good to hear um, because I actually had uh, I had to reach out because uh, my, my girlfriend, um, she's the daughter of a playwright. Um, so she was very interested in this um, interview. And she's like, yeah, I got questions for you. I was like, did you write all my questions for me? And I was like, all right, I'm not going to use all of them because it's just going to be plagiarism. But um, So I, I made Pepper in a few of those, but um. And and feel free for both of you to just to jump in. I'm not going to like call names or anything along those lines. But um, I, either of you, what do you feel is are, are key elements to a good play, or have you? And maybe that's just a wild question to ask because sometimes I get accused of asking uh, ballbuster questions or what have you and hard questions. But what do you think are, are key elements um, for a good play? Um, I guess I'll start. So. I know that we've read a lot of plays recently, like a lot. And this was before we started asking for submissions for our original play festival, the Brown Sugar Bake Off, which happened. It seems like so long ago because COVID is making time just like we're in like a warp. I don't know. So anyway, it was only a couple months ago we were reading submissions for our first virtual play festival. Um, and of course, I've been reading plays for years, but I think the best plays that I've read Obviously, you have like the standard story structure where like you learned in, in English class, like exposition, rising action, climax, all that stuff. Um, really, I think what the best plays do is all of those things, um, they they pull you in in a way that doesn't like tell you, well, this is the character like this is our protagonist. It really like shows you in a way that you're just like, wow, like that's like that's theater, that's spectacle, like that's that's really stunning and that's creative. 
So when it's very clear that the playwright has a voice and really all the actors are doing is just like, um, you know, telling that story, they are the storytellers. Um, but you, you feel like you are a part of that world. I feel like those are the most, um, uh, like striking aspects of a play. Like that's what I want to see on stage every time. Yeah. I'll, I'll echo what, what, what Kristen said. Like when, whenever I read a play, like an essential element is, is a three-dimensional character. Right. And what I mean by that is somebody who feels real, um, yeah. They feel like they have flaws, <laughs> you know, they're not perfect, you know, and they're not just there just to, you know, to uh, just for story, just for story's sake, but they're, they, they make mistakes. Uh, they have real emotion. Their emotion is palpable through whether it's a screen or through the page or what have you, but characters that, 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 that feel like somebody, you know, or characters that, that feel like you, or have elements or, or describing elements that, that are a part of who you are, that makes you connect to it a lot more when you're able to see yourself reflected, not only physically, but also emotionally on stage. Uh, it, it makes for something that's just a, a, a better play to watch or a better experience to, to, to participate in. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will get to my next question because I, I want to get, I want to get it in. Um, so Kristen, I recall we were in a class together. It may have been a drama class. I may have performed a soliloquy or something. I, I'm a data guy now. I don't know anything anymore. But uh, <laughs> I recall us being in a class together. And that was my one and only like time. And that would be my start of actually one further into um, that pursuit. When when did when was when was your for you for you Kristen when was your earliest um experience with theater and this same when was your earliest experience within theater uh, I'm not gonna lie I consider my first experiences like playing with Barbie dolls <laughs> like I and I I got my parents I I found video footage or we came across VHS footage a couple of like months ago of my sixth birthday party or maybe my fifth birthday party. And I got all these Barbie dolls and I was so excited. And then I, it just reminded me of like, I used to make like some really good ass stories with Barbie dolls. Like there would be scandals and there would be like betrayal. And there would be like, up until like, I was like older than I cared to admit how long I played with Barbie dolls, but I really used to get into that. Um, so I was like different characters and all this stuff. And then after watching TV, I was like, okay, well, how, how am I going to get on TV? Um, and then I was in a private middle school and one of our English teachers, bless her heart was like, yeah, we should do a play. So she wrote like this really boring. It was not great Christmas show and they needed like a family. So I was the grandmother <laughs> and I was the, the grandmother. I was the wife. I remember of like the only other black kid in the class. <laughs> Cause it was like a 25 person um, private school. So like I was the grandmother. Um, I guess my English teacher was like, yeah, when you're in class, when you read out loud, you read well. And like, I can hear what you're saying and you don't like stutter. And I was like, great. Awesome. So, <laughs> um, so I got that support. Um, and then like when I got into high school, you know, going to city, um, they were really trying to build the drama program there. So I was just like, as soon as you have a play, like, please let me know. And I hope it's not like some crappy Christmas play. Um, but I wanted to like, you know, have the opportunity to you know, play different characters. Like, I really just like the idea of like being Barbies and like, you know, 
being able to create these different people or like step out of myself. So that was why I wanted to do theater from as early as I can remember. Thank you. I, I dig that. Aladrian, how about yourself? So, uh, I, so I was a really shy, uh, shy child, like when I was little, um, especially in elementary school, I didn't want to participate, raise my hand in class. I was very smart. I just didn't, I just, I'm just a very quiet person by nature. Um, and my father, uh, he saw the need. He was like, look, you know, I was always a tall person. I'm almost six feet tall. He's like, look, you're going to be a tall black woman. Like you need to have stage presence. You need to enter a room and not be afraid to open your mouth when you, when, when you talk and have people respect you when you do that. And the, the way that he thought would be a good way to do that would be to get shy, quiet, Aladrian and put her on stage. Let's just put her on stage. Um, and so there was a, a, a community, a community center uh, in Baltimore city. I think it was on uh, Liberty or Reich Town Road. I can't remember um, that my parents had a mutual friend who was in charge of that, uh, uh, that uh, community center. Um, and she had a theater program for children. And so they got me into this, this play. I was in the background. I hated it, I hated it so much, but apparently I did really well enough for the next year I was asked to be in a production of a children's play. Um, it's called When the Rattlesnake Sounds by Alex Child uh, Alice Childress. And I played Harriet Tubman. Uh, and I remember I had, to, I had to sing on stage as a part of the play. And I never sang. And I remember my, the director, the, the pr person in charge of this um, community center, she literally had to like yell at me and make me cry or make me sing. And that actually made me cry. And I actually wrote that as a part of like my college admission, because that was a turning point for me. So she made me real, I hate to say it, but she made me realize that like, sometimes you're going to have to get over, you know, your fear of things in order to be successful in order to be better. Um, and so from there, after that show, I, I fell in love with theater. Um, I actually went to a, a, a magnet middle school, suburb magnet middle school, that theater was my, was my magnet was my program. Um, and then when I applied for high school, I applied to uh, Carver center for the arts, but I also like engineering and science. So I went to a different high school. Um, but, uh, I've always kind of had art, uh, kind of in the background and I did a lot of art and stuff in theater, um, in college as well. So I'm an engineer by trade, but my heart is always been with theater and, um, and with the arts. So. Yeah, I had a um, experience as a as a kid. I was I like I'm six four, so I definitely the tall. Kid, I get that, and um, and it's like I was always the biggest person. Like I'm six four, like three hundred pounds. So it's just like just a monster just walking up behind you. And um, I, I just remember like if I knew what I knew now, then as a kid, I would have shied away from everything. Hey, Rob, why don't you be like a master's of ceremony for this play? Then sure, me now, no. Do you have any tree rolls open in the back? I could just be scenery. Can we just, you know, do this and make that happen? Um, so, and, and this, is, this is for both of you. Um, um, how, how does any personal bias, like, influence how you read a script or, or read a um, prospective work? Um, I guess... And look at me, I promised myself I wouldn't say um, but <laughs> my, my third favorite word. I, yeah, okay, thank you. I think um, that <laughs> it definitely does influence it. Uh, the more that I read, I feel like 
I, I have higher expectations, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but at the same time, that also, because I'm an English teacher in the day, so I read student, I read work all the time. And I read writing, like beginner, novice, like rough writing all the time. So when I'm reading stuff, I'm just like, okay, like you can do this, do this, do this. So when I'm reading a play, I'm just like, wow, that was really... Um, like, I, I love how this is a story that I've seen before, because really with theater, you have seen the same story several times, usually. Um, uh, when I'm teaching Shakespeare, I realize like, oh my gosh, like that show is totally like Macbeth or that show is totally like, you know, Hamlet. That's just Hamlet over and over again. Once I realized that Lion King was Hamlet, I was like, oh my gosh. So like, really, people aren't super <laughs> original uh, it's just like, how, how can you take a story and maybe change it, change it a little bit, give a little spice, a little seasoning, um, to it, to make it more accessible maybe to certain people. So really I'm just looking for, even if you're telling a story like, you know, okay, this person portrays this person, but why did they betray them? Um, if it's really something that's like, oh, that's a lame reason. Then I'm like, yeah, you need to, you need to flesh that out. You need to, you need to make that more you know, more inspiring. Like why, why is this happening? Um, so yeah, I think that I'm more so biased because I watch way too much TV and I read way too much. So if you really want to impress me, I need you to like go an extra five miles. <laughs> so that, that, that's my personal bias. <laughs> yes, I am. She's a hard grader. She's a hard grader. She's even, Kristen's even read some of my, some of the plays and stuff I write and, and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Can you be a little, I am, we are friends. Can you be a little, a little nicer? I just allow you to see a different perspective. Yeah. I'm not being mean. like, cause I'm way meaner to my students than I am to you. Cause my students, I'm just like, no, that's just junk. But with a legion, I'm like, maybe you could <laughs> do this. Maybe you should consider this. Right. Right. Maybe. Well, I mean, I, to, what, I don't know what Kristen said. I mean, what? The, so as a, when you're reading adult plays and the little bit I've, I've started researching and reading about like dramaturgy and, and helping edit plays. And I'm a playwright. And so I've had dramaturg, uh, dramaturgy or dramaturgs uh, to review my writing. And the, the best way you get people to, to, to read and give you uh, feedback is to, for it to be open-ended, right? So you don't want to put too much of your own bias and how you would would write it because there's been many times I've read other people's plays and I was like, Oh, I really, I would do something completely different. I would change this and move this. And, but you, you, that's not your play. So what you have to do is you have to ask them questions, ask them why questions. Why did you do this this way? Why did you consider this character? Have you considered, you know, doing, it, doing it a different way? Like open-ended questions that will allow them to make the decisions about what they want to do with, 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 you know, with their story and with their characters. And, and for me, uh, I, since I'm a, an engineer, I like to see stories that progress in a, you know, um, an interesting way. Uh, I also like, I also like, uh, plays that are, um, that pull on the heartstrings. Uh, and I, <laughs> I love a good play that's going to make me cry. Like, let's do it. Let's go for it. I'm a, I'm an emo cancer. I'm all about it. Um, uh, but also care also plays that do just different things. You know, we were so used to seeing this traditional, like act one, act two, act three, whatever structure, you know, mix it up, you know, 
use some voiceovers, do some other things. Like be, I want to see the creative pieces. So every time I go in, I read a play and like, I just see this like really boring piece. I was like, Oh, I have to, I have to remember not everyone likes to, to experiment as much as me. So I try to hold <laughs> that down. But at the same time, every good story, as Kristen said earlier, has the same, has the same elements. It's just making sure that you're able to, to, to help people kind of realize their full potential. Um, however, um, however they can. I dig it. I think we, we have this, this habit here when it comes to, um, consuming any, any version of media, whether it be uh, play, whether it be television, whether it be music or what have you, I, I, I'm on the creator creator side, most instances. And I, I just don't like people who just have their hot takes. It's just like a lot of takes. And my response is generally, where's yours? And, and just smugly, just where's yours? Um, because it's a lot of people who, mm, I, I mean, a lot of people who just, I don't think are super talented that have a lot of, a lot of things to say. And it gets in a way, like it may not be something that you're really into, but you can see, you can get something out of it. They're like, Oh, I enjoyed this. This was interesting in this way. And, and, and so on. But people just, I didn't like this one thing. Ergo it sucked. And that's, you can't do that. You can't do it. Um, so this is actually, this is actually a question that, that came from my girlfriend. That's why it's written better than mine's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> since, since theaters have seasons, yeah. um, is, how do you, I'm curious as to how you choose the work that you're going to do for a given season. Uh, okay. So, I mean, for our, the, what we did last year, we really were kind of just building, um, you know, building the block. So we had one, one, um, festival, we called it the Brown Sugar Bake Off, um, where it was a, a play festival where we had 10 playwrights, uh, who wrote original works. We had people submit, I think we had about 60 or so people from around the country submit their plays. Uh, and they all had certain, all the plays had, uh, in ingredients or certain elements that we had to, that were incorporated. One of which was a black female protagonist. And another one was brown sugar, for example, I think a wig was one of them as well. Um, so we're, <laughs> our goal is to try to obviously incorporate that since it was so well received, uh, to incorporate that in our future, it, you know, iterations of our, of our company and in our seasons. But I think for this first kind of full season that we're planning um, uh, this year, and Kristen can, can provide a little bit more detail, um, but we're really looking for just providing opportunities to new writers, um, being able to support um, people who want to tell their stories, um, utilize this sense of community that we want to put, that we, that we are using. The reason why we put two strikes together is to have this community of black women artists, right? So for example, if we saw some really interesting plays in Brown Sugar Bake Off that might not have, might not have made the actual festival, you know, why not pull one of those writers and, and use them, you know, to collaborate and write something for this season, right? How can we grow and support um, not just writers, but new directors and actors, how can we support their art and how can we, um, you know, help them, you know, fully realize, you know, the stories that they want to tell. So that's kind of where we're headed uh, with this season. In addition to focusing on obviously topics that relate to, you know, you know, being a black woman and I'll throw it over to Krista. She's got more. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we, there's so many conversations that like we are definitely taking in what's happening and with so much more time now to kind of fully digest what's happening with uh, like things that are happening to like Lizzo 
and the conversation around like body positivity and Megan the Stallion and protect black women. Um, like, and those are things, they're not new ideas, right. like stop fat shaming, stop like killing black women. It's really not something that has just like surfaced in 2020. Like, huh? Like maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe we should like, this has just definitely been something that's a diet, but it's more like a monologue. It's like black women are saying we need protection. Black women are saying like, shut the hell up about my body. <laughs> you don't live here. Um, it's not yours to comment on, but it, it's not, it's not, a, it's not so much of a dialogue as it should be. So we definitely want this season to be more of like, okay, here's, here's like the different sides of the conversation, which sides are you on? Um, or the sides of the, uh, you know, the, the conversation and giving the playwrights the opportunity to write their perspectives. Um, because obviously there is no one answer. Um, there is no one thought or idea or thinking process behind this. So with us in the collective, we obviously have, what we want to say, but the reason why we probably haven't come up with solutions is because we haven't, um, you know, given everybody the opportunity to, to kind of voice uh, or prioritize those voices rather. So I know we talk a lot about that, like how can we prioritize uh, black women in theater because it really has been non-existent up to this point. Um, so like, it's it, like, you can see it in music and you can see it kind of starting to stem in movies and television, mm -hmm. kind of, but in theater, it's just like, there has really not been a place for us at all. So, yeah. And that kind of yeah. gets into the, uh, the whole reason the, the company is named the way it's named, right? The company name came from this thing that I heard like years ago that said, um, as a black woman, I'm born with two strikes against me. Right. Oh. I'm born as both a woman. Right. So I have the whole idea of the sexism and body shaming and all of this stuff. And then I'm also black. So I've got racism and I have this whole history of, you know, neglect and this history of being invisible. We black women are, are, are invisible in some aspects, a lot, very much so on the, on the, on the small stage, right. In theater. Um, and so we see perfect example of how, you know, with the Georgia election, um, how black women are not invisible anymore, right? From a political perspective, we've always been the backbone. It's important that our voices are heard. We have a lot of different kinds of stories that need to be told. It's time that people, time that people hear what we're saying, whether it's politically, whether it's on, you know, the, on, in movies, in films, on stage, what have you. We we have we have stories and 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 it's time that they um time that they are are put on a pedestal and are prioritized. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you need a problematic tree as background coverage or anything along those lines, I'm your guy. I can be a body shamer or something just for the cause, for the support of the cause. Like, what's up, sweet cheeks? What it is? And I don't know. Appreciate um, that, Rob. Really, really I, appreciate I'm here, that. I'm here to help, and you know. <laughs> You know, it might be tight casting. I don't know, but I don't know. Uh, so black women protagonists, could you both share some of your favorites? I read some, I read some um, stuff on the site. I had to put that in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always, I love, I love Insecure. Like, 
like so Issa, Issa has always been my girl. And I and it's like Issa, and then I don't know if anyone's if you've seen Rob, the um the movie uh it just came out over over the last year. Uh it's called the 40-year-old virgin or 40 40-year-old version. On a white it's on the watch list. Yeah, you should really, really watch it. The main character, really uh Rada, uh, she's like near 40 years old, and she's just it's an it's a really, really good play to watch. But uh Issa and Rada are my two favorites recently. And the reasons why is just because they're messy, right? They're, they're they make mistakes. They're flawed. They they try something and they're like, oh, I'm gonna do it. This is gonna be great. Everything's gonna be wonderful. And then it sucks. And then they just have to figure it out, right? There's not a happy ending. There's not this like close, like little perfect gift and present that happens at the end of, you know, the movies or end of the, of the episodes. It's that, but that's life. You, you make mistakes, you try new things, you, you, you have successes, you have failures and you live. And that's what I like most about those two uh, black women protagonists. Yeah. They're not magical Negroes also, which that like, is true. I I see it and I'm just like ah. Uh, <laughs> my my favorite uh, protagonist. I I watched this a long time ago. I actually had to watch this in a film class in college, and I was really happy. But anything with Pam Greer in it, so Jackie Brown, I had to watch. And even though Quentin Tarantino, we have our problems now. Um, even though a long time ago, I remember I was like, oh yeah, Quentin Tarantino's great. But yeah, now I'm 33 and I'm just like, eh. But Jackie Brown is great. Um, so Samuel Jackson, Chris Tucker, Pam Greer, like that is just, I, I love that movie. Um, so anything with Pam Greer, I love the cast of Pose. I think the cast of Pose is great. Uh, that, that story, I really didn't know where it was going to go being produced by like the American horror story being like glee people. I was just like, what is, what is, how are they going to mess this <laughs> up? But it was like consistent and it was great. So I really enjoy uh, those women and like that, that story being told. And then lastly, I'm going to say Michaela Cole yes. uh, in chewing gum and Michaela Cole print, you know, in yep. anything, honestly. Uh, but in chewing gum, that was when I first saw her. And that show is like absolutely ridiculous. Like, you think about Issa Rae when you think about insecure and weird and awkward, but her Tracy in that show is like the, the epitome of awkward and weird and like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> okay. So I have one more serious question than one weird question. Uh, how would you characterize the um, Baltimore theater scene? from your perspective, what's that Baltimore theater scene? Um, I've heard different things. I've had different people on here, but I want to get your individual takes. I'll let Kristen go first. Um, it, it's, it's pretty dusty. <laughs> we need to, uh, we gotta, we gotta clean it. Um, we, we talk a lot about like, we don't want to be invited to the table anymore. And that's what I meant earlier. Like with our season, like we haven't had a chance to hear a lot of women's perspectives we talk about burning the table constantly and just sitting like crisscross applesauce and being like, all right, y'all, what do you want to do? Like, what do we need to do? What are the next steps we need to take action? So I think that really it just needs to be just like, just, just burn it. Yeah. Down. Burn it. It's, 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 it's for me, it's this like act, this active diversity. I diversify, which is what me and Kristen are trying to do. Like burn the table. Let's just do black women. Like, let's just, why not have a whole season with black women writers and black women playwrights and black women actors. Let's just do it. Versus this passive, we're trying quote unquote, 
quote unquote, uh, to diversify. We, we need to read more. We need to study more. We need to figure out how to only have one, you know, August Wilson play in our season. Like you can do better. And so that's some of what, what, what Kristen is getting a part of and what two strikes is trying to do. Let's just start, let's start from scratch. We don't have to do it this way. We don't have to be uh, old, dusty and white. We can be awesome and, and black. Like, why not? Right. And don't be stagnant. Let's, let's evolve. Let's try some new things. There's a lot of different theaters in Baltimore who are doing some really interesting and different work. We don't have to do it the same way every time. Like we don't have to sit in a seat in the dark, watching something. We can do something digitally. We can do something in a different flame framework. So like Baltimore communities, there's these pieces, there's, there's the old school and the new school. And I think the new school is starting to kind of take over the reins and be a lot more flexible in this COVID environment mm-hmm. than the old, the old crusty ones. So we'll see who, we'll see who reigns supreme. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Enough of this McConnell theater. Just, just move ahead and get it past that you're disintegrating and let's move on. And it's just, you can do, it's just, just do it. Like that's, it's literally just that, just do it. Just make, do the thing. You know, it's just whatever the thing is, you do it. Um, yes. Uh, no, this is the bonus question, and I think it's hilarious. Um, and it just came up as we were talking. But the bonus question, this is the final question of the night. And again, I want to thank you both for coming on. Um, so this person, this topic, this person has had a background and made the, it, it cut their teeth in theater. On a scale of one to ten, rate the wigs and Tyler Perry films. Uh, don't you appreciate that (laughs) strange like because wig again was one of the one of the uh, ingredients in the brown sugar bake (laughs) oh my gosh yeah like I'd have to say a solid I'd have to say a solid three I mean they should have done better (laughs) they should have known like it's in Atlanta it's black folk like y'all can get some good wigs come on like who was the wig supervisor there probably should have been a wig supervisor like what are you doing the the wig wranglers in these like when they do these period pieces (laughs) that are like hey we're in 1990 I was like look I was around then the hair was not like that it was not it was not like it was on. It, it's, yeah, it's was just like, is this a spoof? Is this an SNL skit? Like, what is this? What is this hair? So yeah, and, and black people, we we look at hair. We we do it. It's it's gonna happen. So tighten it up. Literally, <laughs> literally tighten up the wig. Like just slide it, slide it, push it, push it forward. Uh, she should be ashamed. push it forward, play it forward. Uh, so. That's pretty much all of the questions I have. Here's an opportunity to shamelessly plug everything that you want to plug. Thank you again for coming on. This has been a treat for me. Many thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh, for having us, Robbie. The only thing that that I have coming up that I want to plug is uh, uh, Two Strikes a Theater Collective is help is uh, co-producing um, uh, a work with uh, Single Carrot and uh, several public health organizations in Baltimore. It's called the uh, COVID Monologues. Uh, and we will be uh, we'll, we'll have a five minute monologue that's going to be talking about uh, the racial disparity in uh, in COVID um, COVID treatments. So should be interesting. It's coming up in February. Sounds very interesting.
Yes, please follow us on everything. Uh, what is it? What the Facebook and the the, Facebook? Uh, not, we don't have a Twitter yet. <laughs> the, the Facebook. Um, what uh, Instagram? Instagram. That's what I was thinking. And we definitely have a website which we will keep posted. We're going to announce our season very soon. Uh, we've been working on it for the past couple of months, so we're really excited to share that with the community. Yep. Website is two strikes collective dot com. So again, thank you. And I'll do my sign off. Then I'll let you get to your chicken and I'll let you get to uh, everything else. Uh, so for Adrian, for Kristen, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.